Good morning. Good morning. It's been a great day. Like Pastor Neil said, we had baptisms in the first service, so that was very exciting. Um, Brian mentioned this, but I also want to mention it too, that last Sunday, Brian and I hosted, hosted, or I guess you could say hosted, a baptism discussion. And out of that discussion, we had nine people sign up to be baptized. And so we did three this morning, one being my future wife, Caitlin, which was amazing. That was actually my first baptism, so I'm going to share that story. So it was great. The water's warm, so that means there's always room for more. We'll continue to do baptisms from to the end of the year and even to the next year. So this morning, we're going to be in, in Luke, Luke chapter 10. Recently, uh, I watched this Netflix documentary about six amazing hotels. And one of these hotels used a small spice called saffron in their dishes. So saffron being very expensive, right? Who knows what saffron is, right? It's very expensive. They took it upon themselves, you know what? We got to show how saffron is harvested. Um, who knows how to harvest saffron? <laughs> yeah, some, some know, right? The early service, right? It's very grueling, harvesting saffron. Uh, so Netflix showed the viewer how this was done. You have to harvest saffron in the morning uh, before the sun hits it or the flower opens. Uh, so just And it's all done by hand. So think about bending down in a field, picking it up. It's, it's very labor-intensive. It's very hard. And after you get the flower, you go and you have to pull out the stigmas, which is the small, like, thread. I think it's, like, bronze color. And that's the saffron spice. Again, that's done by hand. About 50 to 60 of these flowers produce one tablespoon of saffron. So it's very consuming, very time-consuming. And so I, I like to think of myself, I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm half country. I mean, I love farms. I love going outside, fishing, uh, hunting. I love doing that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't think I would ever own a farm because harvesting is a lot of work. It's been made easier by machines, uh, but nonetheless, it's still a hard thing to do. Um, most of us won't run out and become saffron harvesters after this morning. If you do, call me because there's a lot of money to be made in there. I'll invest, you know, some business partner. But the Bible calls us that we are actually harvesters, of harvesters of something else. Not harvesters of saffron, but harvesters of people. And just as challenging and hard and time-consuming the saffron is, serving the Lord, harvesting people is challenging, time-consuming. This morning we're going to unpack Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. I know your bulletin say 1 through 12 because I want you to go home and read the rest of the passage. And we're going to be looking at what Jesus says to be like when we serve, when we go harvest people. We've been walking through, as a church, habits of highly godly people. Pastor Neil kicked it off by talking about prayer, right? Walking the, through the book of Nehemiah. Pastor Brian then picked it up when we continued talking about fasting, giving, absorbing scripture. This morning, we're not going to Nehemiah. We are going to be in Luke. But Nehemiah, the verses 12 
chapter 12, verses 44 to 47, mirror and extent what Luke says in verses 10, or chapter 10, excuse me. And we're going to be looking at four P's of service. Y'all know I love my alliterations. I love my buzzwords, right? And they're in order for a reason, right? We're going to be looking at prayer, pain, provisions, pleasure. But before we start this, I want to set the stage for us. In Luke 4, 43-44, Jesus tells us what His mission is. He says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. He was preaching in the synagogues of Judah. Jesus, we can think of Him as a farmer, was sent to cultivate His crop. He was sent into the world to go into other towns and preach the good news of the kingdom of God. So, in chapter 4, Jesus is preaching. He's going on and doing His earthly mission. He's talking in the synagogues, telling people about Christ, telling people about the kingdom of God. And then in Luke 8.15, we see the fruits of that preaching. It says, as for that, in the good soil, there are those who hearing the word hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So we see that God's mission in the world is starting to bear fruit. The harvest is starting to grow. In the Scripture, we also see that some of the harvest is withering. Some of it get it and then they die. Some don't get it at all. But at the end, he says, there are people who are getting it. Jesus, limited to being a man, we know he's God, but he's limited to man on earth, can't go to every town. So what does he do? He calls his 12 disciples and he sends them out. Jesus, realizing people are ready to be harvested, And so he says this in Luke 9, 1 through 6. And listen to the words that Jesus says, because they're almost exactly the same in Luke chapter 10. He says, and he called the twelve together and gave them power, authority over all demons, and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff. No bag, no bread, no money. And do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Jesus sends out workers into the field to do the exact same thing that Jesus was sent to do on this earth. If I'm a farmer, I hope my farm hands, I think that's what they're called, will do the mission that I want. And that is to harvest corn if I'm a corn harvester or harvest saffron if I'm a saffron harvester. So we see the setting of the stage, right? Jesus comes. His mission is to preach the kingdom of God and the good news. People are starting to take root. Jesus sends out his 12 disciples, right? But I know if I'd sent 12 people to harvest five acres of land, that's a 
A lot. I think it's a lot. That's a lot of work. So what does Jesus do? He sent out 72 others. So in Luke 10, 1 through 4, it says this. And this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the field. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. At first glance, we see that Jesus is sending 72 out. Now, I don't want to... Your Bible scholars in here, I don't want to get into the, the argument or theological if it's 72 or 70, right? We're just going to say it's between 70 and 72. We're just going to say that. Jesus is commissioning this group to do the exact same thing that John the Baptist did and that the 12 disciples did. It says they're to go ahead of him, which literally means before his face. This phrase, before his face, is the exact expression used in Luke 7.27 when it talks about John the Baptist. It's the exact expression in Luke 9.52 to prepare the way for the Lord. Now it was the 72's turn to prepare the way. Jesus goes on and says that they were going to go to every town and place, right? That was Jesus' mission, to go into all the other towns. They were going to be sent into pairs. Again, there's a kind of a theological undertone here. We're not going to talk about it. It's in the Old Testament about witnessing in pairs. I believe it's in Deuteronomy somewhere. But for us this morning, we're, we're going to realize that sending out in pairs is mutual support, Right? Serving is better when it's done with people. Right? If I'm a farmer, I'm not going to be like, I'm going to go farm this all this land by myself. I'm going to have people who are going to help me along the way. It's much easier to serve alongside someone than it is by yourself. Once Jesus gathered them all together in pairs, Let's just say he gave an assignment. You go here, you go here. We don't know. He then goes on to tell them, this is how you are to go about and serve. And that's where the four Ps come in. So if you've got paper or pen, right, this is a perfect time to take notes. So the first one, it should always be the first one, is prayer. Luke 10, 2 says, And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Yesterday, we had a very wonderful prayer breakfast. And a speaker, Randy Haynes, came, Pastor Haynes. And he spoke about prayer. And he spoke about Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. And Neil already mentioned it, the books in the back. But this is an awesome opportunity to start getting a prayer life praying to send the workers out into the field. The harvest Jesus is talking about is again a reference to Luke 8.15, right? Good soil, bearing fruit. They're ready to be 
harvested. Jesus is talking about the people who have received the word, who understand it, are now bearing fruit. The people are ready for the laborers to come and reap the harvest. However, Jesus tells us that the laborers are few. There are not enough people to harvest. The harvest won't wait for you. It'll just die. Jesus, Notice that Jesus is telling the 72 who are already laboring to pray for more laborers. Pray for more workers. We've been going through this vision, 2020 vision, seems like for two years now. And in the vision, there's a lot of places for us to serve. There's a lot of places for us to get involved with. Oftentimes, places of service, ministries, they don't die because they're laziness. People aren't lazy in them. They die because there's prayerlessness in them. If we're going to be a church that serves our community as is a lighthouse on this place where God has planted this church, we need to be a church of prayer first and foremost. And we need to realize that Jesus is not telling us that it's going to get easier. He's not saying, pray for it to be easy. He's saying, pray that God will send people to serve. We all get wrapped up in the task of asking for volunteers, right? I've, I've done it myself. I'm sure we've all done it in here. We go to the pastor, hey, Pastor Phil, Pastor Neil, can you say this in the service to get people to become volunteer? We email Debbie or someone in the office, hey, can you put this in the bulletin? Because I need people, right? We post on Facebook, hey, we're going to do this. We need people. We send emails. There's nothing wrong with that. I want to make that clear. There's nothing wrong with that. But ourselves, we can't mobilize people to serve. Only God can. We first need to sit down and pray before we get up and serve. So the question for you, church, is are you praying for God to lead you into an area of service? Are you praying for God to send more workers into the field? Are you first sitting down to pray before you get up and serve? Jesus goes on. He talks about pain of service. Harvesting saffron is a painful, painful thing. In the Netflix, they have them bending down and their backs bending down like this. I don't have back issues, but I know people in the church that do, and they tell me how painful it is. It's a painful process of harvesting. And the Bible is clear that if we serve the Lord, we are going to be persecuted and experience trials because of our service. In James 1, 2 through 4, it says, Count it a joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We have the Apostle Paul, who is a great servant of the Lord, who went through trials, shipwrecks, imprisonment, beaten, 
fog, all kinds of things. And in Acts 20.19, he says, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Paul's saying that he's serving the Lord in all humility, with tears and with trials. All He continues to serve the Lord over and over again when it gets hard. Jesus tells in 72 that you're going to go into hostile lands. He says, go. He says, leave. Go places. Go serve. Don't stay here and serve. Don't stay in Lake Ridge and serve. Go. Right? We have the homeless shelter coming up. Go serve. He's saying that you're going to get uncomfortable, but it's okay. It's okay to be uncomfortable. He's saying that you will be preyed upon. Right? Wolves love lambs, apparently. We know that. He's saying that you will be sent into places where you might lose certain things. And that's really hard for most of us because we live in America and we love stuff. Right? We love our stuff. And losing our stuff is bad. When we lose our stuff, we tend not to come back to that place where it made us lose our stuff. We might lose relationships. Okay, Some of us can live with that. We might lose dreams. That's a little bit harder. We might lose material things. Your house. Your car. Right? Those are big things. Your phone. All the youth in here. <laughs> Sometimes we even lose our lives. When serving the Lord gets tough, are we immediately looking to the door to get out? Or are we immediately looking to the cross? Are we looking to Christ on the cross to ease our pain? Or are we looking for an easy way out? When serving the Lord gets tough, are we immediately looking for the door or to the cross? He goes on to say, Don't bring stuff. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. In Philippians 4.19, it says, My God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say half stuff. It doesn't say 90% here. It says every for the glory of God. And yesterday we talked about the Lord's Prayer, so... I put this in here. We talked about Matthew 6.11. Give us this day our daily bread. Don't give us our weekly bread, but give us our daily bread. Right? If we get something right away, we become complacent and we don't ask anymore. Jesus tells them, don't bring money to buy things. You don't need it. He says, don't bring a full suitcase of clothes. Right? You're going away for a day or weekend. Don't bring a giant bag of 15 outfits. He's saying, don't even bring an extra pair of sandals. Jesus is telling them to go serve with faith that God will provide everything they need. So service starts with having faith in Christ to provide you the opportunities to serve and the stuff to serve Him with. Serving the Lord means relying on Him to provide you the gifts and stuff to serve him with. One of my favorite authors 
C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, relying on God has to begin all over again every day as if nothing had yet been done. Relying on God has to begin every day as yet nothing has been done. And finally, pleasure. These are all going sequential, right? It starts with prayer, right? When we serve, it's painful, right? I've never heard someone say, I love my job so much, right? Some of you probably may be in here, the saying, you work a day in your, or you don't, you love your job, you don't work a day in your life, right? Even in your job, it's painful sometimes. There's sometimes here when I'm hurting and I don't want to come and serve. And then we look at provisions, how we base our service on the faith that God will provide for us. And finally, we end with pleasure. Notice how it's not the beginning, right? It's not the first thing. In Luke 10, 17, a couple verses down, the 72 actually return. And it says that the 72 returned with what? Joy. Saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Another one of my favorite authors, I'm just plugging in authors here, John Piper wrote this. He said, he's defining joy. And notice how he says it. He says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. When our service is rooted in our Savior, the Spirit produces in us joy. That's Ephesians. Fruit of the Spirit. It bubbles up in our souls because we delight in the beauty of the source of joy, Christ. In 1 Peter 4, 10-11, Peter tells us that we are each been given a gift by God. And it says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks of oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him be glory and domain forever and ever. Notice how it says, the gifts we have been granted by God shouldn't honor other people. It says, it should honor and bring glory to God. Serving other people, like God has told us to serve, should bring us joy. Serving others should bring us joy because we get closer to our Savior who is the embodiment of joy. In Psalm 100, 1-2, it says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come to His presence with singing. When we serve the Lord in the name of Christ, we experience the joy in our salvation. 
shout a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth. I want to end with this, just something that I believe wholeheartedly. But before I get there, there's another show I watch a lot. <laughs> there's a show on the History Channel called Forged in Fire. It's a blacksmithing show. Uh, it's one of those shows that you watch the first five minutes of it, and then you watch the hour of it. I don't know, it might just be like steel weapons, like yes. And in the show, uh, they're doing their, like, making their weapons and stuff, and then they'll cut to the person that's making them and do, like, like commentary, like, during the show. And so they always say, like, oh, i got to get my hand on this dagger because I need to do this. I'm like, yeah, you do. I have no idea what he's talking about. But half the, sometimes it's always, like, I will learn how to blacksmith because someone modeled it for me, right? My dad modeled it. My dad's dad modeled it. I don't know if there's blacksmithing schools around. I think it's more of apprenticeship. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but they all learn, all the contestants learn how to blacksmith because someone modeled it for them. Just like blacksmithing was modeled after someone, by someone, our servanthood is modeled after someone, and that's Christ. I fully believe wholeheartedly that all of Scripture points us to Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, 66 books, every Scripture is a story about how Christ was sent into the world to redeem us. If you want to talk more about that, I would love to. Our understanding of servant, service, comes from the ultimate servant, Christ. See, church, the thing is, if we don't have a model of service, we aren't service, which is masters barking out orders to each other. In order to be servants, we must first learn from the ultimate servant himself. That's Christ. In order to be servants, we must first need to know the person. That's Christ. See, this scripture points us to Christ in this way. Jesus was sent into the world like a lamb led to slaughter. Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter. Just like this, Jesus wasn't welcomed in his hometown and towns. In Luke 4, 28-30, it says, When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill in which the town was built. Jesus followed the will of the Father. John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. Jesus found joy in serving the Father. Hebrews 12.2 Looking to Jesus, the founder and professor of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Jesus prayed for guidance in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26.36-46 He played three, prayed, prayed three times. Words. Father, if this is Your will, let this cup pass from Me. Jesus played three times. All model of service comes from the ultimate servant. Church, I pray that we not lose sight of who we serve and how we serve. My prayer is that we are constantly reminded by these verses in Luke 10 too. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. 
My prayer is that we constantly pray to send more workers into the field, and we constantly pray for God to lead us into the field. See, it starts with prayer. We pray to God, Lord, take our pain. Lord, this is hard. Lord, I pray to You. I pray to You in faith that You will provide everything for me. And I delight in my salvation that serving You brings me joy. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Son who embodied all what it means to serve. We thank You for sending Him here on this world to model for us what it looks like to be a servant for the Lord. And Lord, I pray that if there are people sitting here this morning that all this is new to them, they're like, oh, this Jesus guy, I've never heard this or that, and I want to know more. I pray that they come forward, Lord. They step out in faith. That when they step out in faith, God will provide something for them. That something is eternal life. Lord, I pray that if there are people here this morning saying, I need somewhere to serve, Lord. I just don't know where. Let them come forward and pray. Pray that they will be sent into the harvest. Lord, I pray that You send people out into the world, out into the harvest to serve. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.